32 counties. 32 questions. My name is Una. My name is Andrea. And this is United, United Ireland. Ireland. <laughs> Every week we take a county and dive into an issue relevant to that county and then see where in the world it brings us. Or not. It's been a while since there's been just some good news. And even as, okay, fine, America's on the brink, hopefully, of beating Trump. Uh, there's a sense that for all of these reasons that we understand, even that potential victory may feel a little hollow. It's not surprising that people are so beaten down sometimes and burnt out and generally traumatised by all the crap in the world. So much so that sometimes it's hard to process the good bits. We forget how to do that. We know things aren't perfect. Especially when we can't celebrate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's no- party. <laughs> Woo, yeah the, the release is missing. Um, so yeah, we know things aren't perfect. But this week we've decided to theme our episode around how things are in fact looking up. Oh my God. Turn that frown upside down. <laughs> Actually, maybe punch anyone who ever says that to you. Um, but let's get on the positive train to happy Bill the Limerick Junction. I just want to say that I did not write that. <laughs> um, it was a callback to your grievance about Limerick Junction a couple of weeks ago. I do love Limerick Junction. I like it. It's, it's brilliant. It brings you everywhere. That's right. It's the things are looking up episode. So in this episode, we're just talking about things that are, in fact, looking up. So get ready for um, a jam packed episode of positive vibes. Uh, This is this isn't a Sunday soothe. Uh, This is a little less abstract. These are real things that are good. (laughs) where we're not delving into something going, how do we make this positive? Like, like, let's just go deep. No, this is actually real life, real spice. Um, We've kind of broken it up into sections. First section is uh, the election. Um, What election, you may ask? Um, I actually have been really good. I've been watching people who have been like, I haven't slept for 24 hours. I've been watching this unfold. I just made the decision that I wasn't going to watch it and I'd just come in for the results. So I'm absolutely delighted. I have no rats what's going on and I couldn't be delighted. More delighted, but things that I have seen coming up are absolutely brilliant. One is, and this, I just, for all the fucking shit that people are trying to make happen in Ireland um, with uh, transgender issues. And to see then Sarah McBride has become the first out transgender person to become a state senator in the US. Um, I just thought that was great. It was good news. California passed a law meaning people convicted of felonies who are on parole have the right their right to vote restored. That's good news. That is good news. Um, the squad are all voted back in. Yes. And we could not be more delighted. It, it ticks so many boxes, women, diversity, um, just the power, the power, I was going to say power bitches, but that seems really like not uh, very nice. And um, they're just a great squad of people who want to do well. And actually, I, I'm actually going to delve in, delve in to my Twitter sphere. Um, because I did a tweet that I actually really like about them and I think I got to say it out loud and I said so that all four members of the progressive squad of democratic congresswomen have re have won re-election brilliant I was like if you throw in a Jacinda countries with female leaders suffering six times fewer COVID-19 deaths and it seems empathy and equity is a proven option for a winning political strategy social and environmental well-being is centred when you remove the big egomaniac, power-hungry, swinging dicks. (laughs) Very succinct, Andrea. That's my take on the election. Closer to home, uh, some positive and interesting GAA news from our GA correspondent, Andrea Horan. Um, As you know, I'm always flat out keeping up with the GAA and what's going on. And... uh, Somebody texted me the other week going, I'll tell you one thing, the GAA is really helping everyone in Ireland to get through everything. I was like, is it even on? Like, <laughs> So I'm not a greatest GAA follower, but I think it's great whoever's involved, fair play to them. But uh, 
it has is about to register its first gay club, Naguel Erica. Er, Erica? I think they need to work on the name. Erica, yeah. That means like, that's kind of an Irish word for gay. Oh. Erich, yeah. Er, Erich. I don't, it doesn't run off the tongue. Um, well, it's our language and it's your fault, Andrew, that you don't speak it, so you can stop giving out about that. Uh, the co-founder, Quiva Baxter, says it will be a safe space for people to train. And whenever a club is set up as openly queer and openly accept- accepting, it means that a lot more people will feel comfortable joining where they maybe didn't in the first place or maybe they were pushed out of the sport due to many different factors. And I suppose it just normalises queerness for people who haven't really been exposed to queerness very often the fact that there's a full team um, and then when they can be comfortable to go into all the other teams am I right or is that patronizing yeah, uh, yeah I mean I think that the the issue of homophobia in sport is for the most part an issue of male homophobia in sport um, so anything that and obviously there are more kind of out GA players than uh, like soccer players even. Um, so I think that the GA has uh, to some degree been more progressive, I suppose, in that department. And there are loads of out um, uh, female players in, in, in the GA at the, at the top levels, less so uh, men. But um, yeah, I think for you know, the like there's loads and loads of LGBT sports teams and it's great to have another one. Yeah. Our next piece of things are looking up um is about the sea and how Ireland is poised <laughs> Ireland is poised to be the first country in the world to map its entire seabed. And this is a kind of a very a 20 year long project. Um that will apparently help us make sustainable management decisions across um, fisheries, aquaculture, um, all that kind of crack. So apart from the fact that it's always good to know things about the sea um, and, and to keep things sustainable and protected, when I hear these kind of things, I just really enjoy how delighted people who work in research must be because long-term projects getting funding and getting seen through must be so brilliant because we're not very good oftentimes at like long-term research projects in Ireland. So that's a project um, funded by the Department of Environment, Climate and Communications. So and it's just as very heartwarming and lifting to think that we are doing such things for from a sustainable perspective and not just how much money we can make. Yes, and also to find out more about the mega dunes in the Irish Sea. Sorry, go on. Um, they're like massive sand waves that are in the Irish Sea, and so figuring out like how deep they are and what kind of you know composition they, they are. Uh, I don't know. I think it's more about like they're trying to figure out where best to put like floating and fixed uh, wind t- turbines and wind farms and stuff. So. Um, there you go. What else is looking up, Andrea? I was about to make an analogy about the Titanic and that's not looking up. <laughs> but what is looking up is um, ending prohibition to natural resources. I have, after reading my book, um, Less is More, I don't call um, nature resources anymore because they aren't just simply there for it to be used. Okay, We, we are part of nature. So ending prohibition to stuff in nature. I'll I'll come up with something a bit more catchy, Um, such as marijuana and psilocybin. Psilocybin, yeah. Psilocybin. This is more election news. One of the things that I like looking at the election is like all of the other things that got through, obviously not just like the House and the Senate in the US, but all of the other propositions that are put on. So... Oregon legalized magic mushrooms for therapeutic use. Obviously, there's like a massive growing amount of research with regards to how beneficial psilocybin is for people with PTSD, with anxiety, with um, depression, and how the benefits of even small dosage, like one-off small doses, according to research, um, still benefit people like years later. So there's a really profound um, 
medical impact. Um, and also uh, Washington, D.C. legalized recreational marijuana. And I just think the more that happens, the less prohibition we have across the board, the safer recreational drugs can become, the less moralizing we do about silly things. And this could be a total rumor, and I'm not one to get sucked into rumors, ask Brezzy. Um, but I heard that they were using magic mushrooms for the first time a few months ago in Tala Hospital for... Um, Yes, psychosis treatment. Wow, really? I might need to like certify that, but yes, I was. I was in a discussion I was having with someone quite seriously. So, wow, I you know. are you're dead right. I'm just looking it up now. Um, Dublin. Uh, this is a piece by Gunnar Galler in the Times that a group of people in the Dublin area are undergoing trials involving psilocybin, the active ingredient in magic mushrooms, to assess effectiveness in the treatment of severe depression. Well, that's great that we're doing that research here. Um, fab. And there were other some other um, kind of anti-prohibition stuff happening as well. Arizona, New Jersey, South Dakota, Montana and Mississippi all legalized some form of marijuana use. Um, when you think about this, right? But this is probably not the time for me to go into thinking about my concepts. But like the fact that we've illegalized nature. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like when you're like, this plant is actually illegal for you to take and whatever. It's like, sorry, you're not the boss of me is how it makes me feel. I don't even like marijuana. But anyway, yeah, next up. Although you, do you know the thing that this plan or like kind of um, maybe it was a bit more pie in the sky plan about um Obviously, we're a big fan of Bogland on United Ireland, and there were there was what what the Sally Gap. Uh, there was this plan to turn some of the state-owned bogs into cannabis farms. Now that doesn't sound very like rewetting the bogs, looking after their unique. For the moment, we're look we're researching it. Yeah, it got the it got the not not go ahead. What's the opposite of a go ahead? Yeah, it was like. Um, didn't happen but it was I mean maybe just not on the bog lands you could definitely just like you could just create marijuana farms and but not you know bog lands need to be preserved in a different kind of way Um, but yeah I mean it's such an obvious an obvious um, like business like or industry opportunity for Ireland to be to be doing because even from a marketing perspective uh, you know green, emerald oil, all that kind of stuff and would, would make loads of money in tax. So, I mean, I guess we'd have to um, legalise everything first, but it's a it's a good idea for the next recession. And I'm like really surprised, I was really surprised when I read that a few weeks ago that it was something that we're already thinking about and looking into and factoring into capacity and all that kind of jazz. So go on, Ireland and our liberal thinkers. Uh, what else is looking up is um, an interesting decision uh, that we're going to be doing a podcast on next week where a license um, which was applied for by a company uh, that wanted to do kind of exploratory stuff around fracking for gas in Fermanagh. Um, obviously, there is a fracking ban in the Republic of Ireland, um, but in Fermanagh, that license was then amended to prevent a drilling company fracking for gas. Um, and the reason for that was when it went to public consultation, there were nearly 6,000 um, correspondents with, with the public, which goes to show uh, how you can actually really fight back against things that are very bad and potentially bad for the environment. So Ireland's anti-fracking activism is, of course, world renowned, as we found out, Andrea, when we went to that Naomi Klein talk. We did. And also, what did she say? She's- she just said that. Well, she was talking about the stuff oh, around Leitrim. Yeah. 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 We're known for it. But also, RuPaul fracks out his back garden. Yeah, we're not into that at all. That's bananas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another thing that is looking up. Now, there's two sides to this, but it just feels like there's a tipping point. And did you know, uh, this is Poland and their um, abortion um, laws that were brought in. Um, which resulted in 
multiple, multiple people, um, thousands and thousands and thousands of women and their supporters coming out onto the street um, to protest it. Um, and then the government did stall it. Now, there is issues with why they stalled it, because they're waiting for the heat to be taken off and uh, global interest to die off and um, and then to bring it in. So it isn't a cut, cut and dry, but it is... Um, interesting that it feels like there is a tipping point of support of women coming out in Poland and uh, global interest in it. So, um, yeah, it's not a done deal, but it feels like there is um, that wave that you just need the crest to come over. Um, and that feels like it's happening in Poland. So. Yeah. And the pro- I mean, these protests are the largest protests since the fall of communism in Poland. I mean, it's absolutely massive. And I don't know, I think you're right, Andrea, like that global movement, which Ireland has been such a pivotal part of in terms of reproductive rights around, you know, from here to the US, to Argentina, to Poland, um, like well done on everyone getting out there and just saying, you know, can't can't take these rights from people and they have to be bolstered and improved. Um, and we're actually going to be doing a bonus podcast on those protests very soon. Back in Ireland, repealing also on the agenda. Um, I just think one of the things that is really looking up and it is kind of lockdown related in some ways as well. Some aspects of it are not so great, like people getting super angry and um, impatient and dumping their feelings on social media. But the other part of it is the, you know, the the feel um, that, public engagement with politics in Ireland with issues that are going on is really um, increasing. Obviously, people are spending more time listening to the radio and uh, being online, but it does feel that the engagement is more. Maybe it's because we don't have a tremendous amount going on in our own kind of social lives that you're kind of looking at a different kind of drama unfold. But from Repeal the Seal, um, the kind of public surge in discourse around the Mother and Baby Homes Commission database being transferred, etc. How people, how engaged people are with the saga around Leo Varadkar leaking a confidential document to a doctor friend. Um, some of that stuff around that is quite nasty, but I think people really engaging with it with, with it is interesting and, and wanting to hold people to account in a different way than it feels like in, in times past. How people have respect for smart people in public life, like Maeve O'Rourke, and how people are really kind of watching the Iraqis debates and, and, and watching, you know, Iraqis TV, watching the Dole debates, watching leaders' questions. Um, maybe there's just nothing better to do. But I think it is very, very interesting how engaged people are uh, at this moment. But I think I think personally that the engagement is going to a place where people are want to hold people to account, not in a... It, it feels like politics isn't as far away from people anymore. It feels like it's like we've all experienced how close you can become to something if you care about it or if like these people are representing your community so it, you can ask questions of them and you can you can direct policy in the way that as a community it should be it's not these far away people being the bosses of us anymore I don't think yeah that's a really good point for sure and also how the goings-on in the door, let's say, are communicated online has changed. Um, let's there. There's you know new generation of reporters coming up who are very good at communicating what's actually going on, mm. um, and that's really helpful as well. And the likes of t- obviously social media makes mm-hmm. it instant, so you know exactly what's going on right away. Can get, react, and that reaction is feeding back into the reactions. Like I saw a statement that somebody was making this point over and over again on Twitter. And then I saw the word for word points that were being made in a statement from a political person. I was like, that is brilliant to see that it's really like funneling back in rather than just funneling one way. Yeah. And it's about then how to use that new kind of awakening, well, not awakening, but just like, I suppose, growing engagement, how to use that in a really positive and effective way to affect really positive change 
and not in a way that is about um shouting and roaring and and, and, and yeah and 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 uh in a in a very negative way you know I, I think that that's also a fine line but i think that because you're so right andrea like the proximity that people have to politics has changed over the past you know 5 6 7 years and hopefully that uh, the engagement with it is rooted in a kind of understanding and a literacy of of political goings on and a desire for accountability and transparency and not just like people yeah. shouting yeah or, yeah or clout and things like that and i think i feel like the clout and the ego stuff is falling out of politics and like i don't want to call it too soon but like the trump biden scenario but jacinda in new zealand it just feels like there's more of an impetus on people wanting to just get shit done and do the right thing rather than get power hopefully obviously there'll always be ego yeah but it's less and less i feel at the moment other news (laughs) other other looking up things (laughs) the jnl awards uh came out this week um and there was lots of quality radio shows have increased their listenership and um i suppose our shared media is healthy and people are informed but like also i continuously want to shout out to our public service broadcasting i think it's we're so hashtag blessed with it it's really diverse and connected and i think it's really getting better the LRT. Yeah. For real. Like, yeah, just the fact that it's not based on commercial viability, obviously, because they're fucked. Um, <laughs> but the fact that they are programming to to do interesting shit. And there, there is interesting stuff coming out. And it's not just to get as many clicks or as many listeners or all that kind of stuff. And I think that's important to not just be always looking for the biggest listenership but to, to fi- find the value and the quality in the niche. Mm. Obviously, um, it's been a difficult period for people who are artists and particularly who work in uh, the live art arena. Nevertheless, one thing that is definitely looking up uh, this year is the continued success of really amazing Irish music. Uh, first up is... Um, we've been banging on about it um, for a while is for those I love a lot um, and th- this Friday he is on Jules Holland and in a small small world he works in Think House ah. where I used to work for 10 years not <laughs> <laughs> <Isn't> that much <bad? laughs> that's nothing to do with music but isn't that great <laughs> from a very parochial sense of what's going up in the world shout out to Think House Mango Mathman's Bollyoclea Bangers uh, t-shirt, the casual remix, um, the remixes they made of their, some of their stuff from casual work, Mango Smoke Breaks and Handbrakes radio show on Sundays, that is looking up. Nilo's album, Alva Reddy's album. Erica Cody. Yes. New music out. James Vincent McMorrow's new tunes. Um, our pal, he did our uh, chicken roll of our theme tune, did his remix. Excellent. Um, God knows just being a general boss from like who's asking stuff to out the gaff, Denise Chyla, Go Bravely, Pillow Queen's amazing first record in waiting and an album I really liked and I feel it is a little overlooked recently, which is Keen Kavna, Dog Person. And Lyra and Leisha, um, all the amazing uh, women. I'm obsessed with Lyra, as we all know. But yeah, loads of good shit. There's loads of stuff. There's loads of stuff we've like, haven't mentioned there as well. But anybody making tunes, big up yourselves. Um, Something that I think is really looking up uh, was, I've been thinking an awful lot and reading an awful lot about prisons and policing and things like that over the past few months. And well, I always wonder why you might be stressed. <laughs> I do a bit stressed today. I'm just reading about all these uplifting things. Maybe it's time to start reading Made in Manhattan a bit. <laughs> but there was this project um, undertaken in Mountjoy Prison uh, during um, from March, and it was basically a, a new way to kind of establish third level education in Irish prisons. And it was done with Maynooth University, 
and basically um what like basically what they did is that it seemed like people were kind of assigned like a buddy like a person who was in prison and then a person who was like in the university um and to kind of uh like buddy up and do this 13 week program where um my, my Maynooth students went into Mount Joy to do the course there with the prisoners on the campus of the prison and the the prison has kind of entered into a partnership with the university and there's really interesting kind of quotes uh, from people uh, when they're appraising like how the project went um, you can read about them in the Irish Times if you just kind of Google Mountjoy Prison Maynooth University and how obviously one of the things about how fucked prison is in Ireland is that um, you know the majority of people who are in prison in Ireland have never uh, completed a state exam and you know like you like the majority of pe- people who are in prison uh, come from like poor backgrounds and poverty obviously is a pipeline and can be a pipeline into crime sometimes um, and how like the school leaving age is quite young on average and just that kind of idea that like the lack of opportunity and how certain postcode, how like certain postcodes are disproportionately represented and seeing a university engage in this way and people engaging themselves in this way and presumably learning a lot from each other, I just think is hugely positive. I think we need to talk more about prison in Ireland because we don't really talk about it and the prison population is increasing and more people are going to prison um, just for not paying court ordered fines. Which so like, do we almost need to look at incarceration as a solution? And it is it a solution? Like, no, I mean it's not really. Like, I think that you know you shouldn't. You should like people going to prison for nonviolent crimes and things like that. I don't know. I just like when you look at um, like the the thing around like for me the thing around like a lot of people can just afford to not go to prison. Like in 2019, I think there was about 861 um, people sent to prison because they didn't pay court ordered fines. And that's like an 89% increase on the figure of 2018. So like an extra 400 and something people were sent to jail in Ireland just because they didn't pay fines. Now, if I committed a crime and went to court and it was the kind of crime where I had to pay a fine and then move on with my life. So it's obviously not going to be a very serious crime. And let's say the fine was like two grand or something. I'd be like, okay, shit, how am I going to get that money together or whatever? But I would be able to get it together. And then no jail for me because I paid the fine. Like if you can't do that and then just because you didn't pay a fine, you get a custodian, you get, you get put in jail. Like that's just absolute madness to me. And, and the fact that that has increased... 80 something percent between 2018 and 2019. So I think we need to like have a proper conversation about what is going on in, in our prisons. Um, but also prisons themselves. Is that, the, is that how we should be, uh, should be treating people who do wrong? Is it making, does two wrongs make a right? And like, locking somebody up what is the I suppose on the outcome of that what are you what is that the right way to punish people and if if it is financially punishing people or is that like how do we punish society and to make it a safer place without further damaging um that community who are being punished yeah well you just end up in a cycle I guess like you know and that's the that's the kind of thing, the reason why I was kind of reading this piece about Maynooth. I was like, oh, that's so interesting because you actually don't see that much reporting or gain that much insight with regards to what happens in Irish prisons. Um, but like, you know, there are weird things happening. Like there's increase in the number of women in prisons, for example, between 2018 and 2019. It was a small increase. It was like 3% increase or something. But you know, you kind of read these stats and and um, see how people's rights are being, uh, like they're being denied a level of dignity in prison as well. Like f- nearly half of prisoners are required to like 
use the toilet in front of another prisoner and there's still people slopping out, you know, um, without proper, like, without proper sanitation in in their cells. Um, you know, there's, like, we we should aspire to give people their rights and their level of dignity. And, of course, like, people who, are, some people who are in prison have done really awful things. That doesn't mean that you deny people dignity and their rights. So, and I think we should look more at what's going on. Um, you know, it's a very difficult job, prison officers, you know. Um, there's certain prisons that are essentially still like Victorian. Um, but I think that, yeah, I think we're kind of reading that, but it offer that piece about Minute and, and Mount Joy, it offered kind of an insight. Um, and and yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll kind of chat about this more in an, on another episode because I think that there's lots of interesting things. But when you do see you know, um, the, the, the kind of stats and the, the kind of revolving door in some ways, um, you know, there's something broken there in our society and, and we need to, we need to remedy that and we need to give people opportunities to turn their lives around and not just view it as punishment. We need to view it as a different, a different, there needs to be a more holistic approach. Anyway, I'll stop talking about it. Rehabilitation rather than it just, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, what do you think is looking up for you personally, Andrea, in this moment? Like actually things or just in a bigger picture? The main thing is that my house is nearly ready after this tumultuous, tumultuous journey of joy and cash flow and all the things that come with moving into a home. So that is that is where my head is at right now. And like, also, things are looking up in four weeks. My business will open again. Brilliant. That's really putting a spin on it, isn't it? (laughs) Well, we are nearly four weeks into this um, part of, or no, we're nearly three weeks. Sorry, sorry. We're nearly three weeks. weeks. We've got three and a half weeks left. No, we're only two weeks tomorrow, yesterday. Yeah, so we've got three and a half weeks left. Um, Three three quarters. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm looking up. Sorry, looking up. Yeah, it's nearly over. We're nearly <laughs> over this lockdown. We're getting it's through it. <laughs> when I see, when you see, um, you know, the UK going into lockdown in or England going into lockdown in uh, on Thursday this week, you know, I think we're we're. I'm certainly kind of compartmentalizing a lot and just kind of rolling with it at this stage, even though, you know, obviously there's loads of difficult things, but I think that. Um, this is a moment that's changing us and it's going to continue to change us and we're going to emerge back into the world as changed people and that world might be a better world. You know, it'll be a world that won't have experienced the toxic pollution of air travel to the same degree for a while. A world with new governments and new leaders, some good, some not so good. A world where people are realising what's important. You know, decent healthcare, their friends, human touch, better bread making skills it'll be a world where people have to sit with their feelings and question who we really are and what do we want and a world where not even a pandemic could prevent global solidarity movement against racism and racial injustice a world with new art and new thoughts and new desires and kind of compelling us to imagine something bigger than what we have and then who we are so things are looking up if you tap into that yeah baby <laughs> It does fit, like, I don't know, like, obviously, that election shenanigans, that election, uh, the change there, it just, whatever happened today just felt like a tipping point of positivity. And it was like, do you know what? We're going to get through this and it's going to, it just all felt much more hopeful today um, of everything, like, even down to, um, I, not to make it about the election, but even the carry on at Trump wasn't, it didn't feel as dangerous. It felt just the rantings of a, of a lunatic as opposed to with the danger that we've had to endure for so long. And even the supporters, it was like in one place you're saying stop the vote, one place you're saying count the vote. Something so simple as for an election, we count the votes the fact that that was being highlighted as like, this is just bananas and that it was just being called out. It just felt like 
in from that perspective, things were felt more hopeful and everything else that surrounded that, that uh, like the things above really just felt like we're, we're moving into a more thoughtful, hopeful, positive, less egotistical and more, more in touch with each other in the world. I feel, I hope and I pray. Excellent. So what are your fave bits this week? Oh my God. This is just so stunning. Um, so while I was out in nature, um, as I am oft these days, I found a Vermeer um, on the on the land in Rusborough, and we all know, well, we don't all know, but uh, Vermeers were stolen from Rusborough House, and they have one of them framed on one of the trees. And it's oh just, God, so it's just literally a fact. Like, I found a Vermeer near Rusborough House. I'm like, what are you doing on the podcast? <laughs> we could be millionaires. <laughs> um, but I put it up as a joke, and Aches, um, the wonderful street artist, uh, was like, you need to watch Tim's Vermeer. And I was like, okay. And it's just this bananas documentary about a man. It's Penn and Teller are involved. Like I think Teller directed it and he knows this friend who just makes things and uh, he's in technology, but he's just like this guy who's into like exploring things and he's, he's made his riches. So he has the time and money to do things. And he, decided that he was going to figure out if he could look into the technology that perhaps Vermeer used because his pictures are so photographic and um, that by using lenses and uh, could he recruit, could he paint a Vermeer and it's his journey to painting a, an actual Vermeer and uh, what's the, the camera that camera obscura so looking about maybe Vermeer did this and looking at all the things he could have used to get the results he did in his paintings it's so brilliant I would highly recommend everyone watch that Mm. Um, then the other thing I feel like every single person this is like this is the new sea sea swimming and the new banana bread uh the queen's gambit like everyone's watching for a reason because it's so good it's so lovely it's one of those things and I'm always searching for these things that make you not want to touch your phone and for the I watched it in one day and I didn't want to touch my phone once and I think that's the sign that's my like instead of five stars how many times did you touch your phone <laughs> that's how I rate things and I didn't want to touch my phone once um and my other fave bit my my child my joy my light of my life uh trap pop was eight this week and I totally forgot about it because we're closed and uh just everything's a mad time and I forgot it was my trap pop's birthday and it's so lovely because Chop Hop is my constant joy bringer. Everything about it just makes me joyous. But it's also my constant reminder of what it means to live your tropical life. And it just always brings me back to real life at the end of the day of like, what is important? It's community, it's engagement, it's human touch, it's human interaction and joy. And that at the end of the day is all we need in this world. So into it. My fave bits are um, I watched Ready Player One the other night, which is a Spielberg film that I missed in the cinema. Um, I really liked it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know how much a fan I am of a good car chase. I do. And I I would be in great company with you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, our, our... our love of the Fast and Furious um, franchise will be familiar to listeners of the podcast. It has a really excellent like car. Well, it's more of a car race in it. Uh, one of the best um, car races I've seen outside of Fast and Furious, I would say. Uh, well, obviously Mad Max Fury Road is the ultimate um, driving film. Uh, I don't count drive as a driving film because it's, Useless as a movie. Come at me. On. <laughs> what so are you? So fucking boring. It's, it's like, like it has a good jacket. The end. And um, some nice lighting. Yeah. Moody. Anthony. Um, Anthony's going to kill me for this. Anthony, friend of the pod. This drive is the kind of film that he loves, and I love arguing with him about. Um. Anyway, Ready Player One is really great if you need to like completely. Um, shut off and and watch some weird uh, Spielbergian 
fun, like just creating a world straight away. Here are all the rules and then let's go. Um, How many times did you touch your phone? None. I never look at my phone when I'm watching stuff. That's practically five stars. Um, Did I mention the MIA documentary last week in my fave bits? No, you mentioned it in poker. Oh, right. Okay. Um, the MIA documentary on Netflix, uh, long awaited doc on her, uh, such it's a really interesting doc because she herself was a student documentary filmmaker. And so it has loads of footage from her kind of college years and in her early twenties, um, and how she developed as an artist. It's, it's a, it's kind of a peculiar music documentary, but it's really interesting. And if you're into her music, um, she, present it's being presented in a particular way but just how she kind of stood up against a media that wanted to frame her commodify her in a particular way when she had very pertinent and very personal political points to make about Sri Lanka and about uh uh the Tamils and people and all that kind of stuff so really good and my other fave bit is Gabriel Byrne who I shall be interviewing online on November 16th, uh, he's obviously a legend. I um, love him. Yeah. And he has a new mem- oh. <laughs> he has a new memoir out uh, or coming out. And uh, so if you go to fane.co.uk, F-A-N-E.co.uk, uh, they're this bunch of people who, who kind of organise these interviews with um, smart, famous people. <laughs> And Gabriel Byrne is obviously one of those. Uh, So, yeah, I'm like very picky and choosy about the online kind of talky things that I do because I just find it quite flat and it's difficult to to have a bit of crack with. But I think something like this, um, you know, it's a real privilege to speak to somebody who's as brilliant as Gabriel Byrne. So check that out. Yay. And those are my fave bits. Good fave bits. Uh, this podcast is produced by Andrew Mangan at Castaway Media. Crystal Clear gave us his tuna chicken roll for our soundtrack and Sarah Fox did all of our design. You can find links to all of our socials on our website, unitedirelandpodcast.com uh, or on, you know, just by, I don't know, <laughs> tweeting us or something. Did we say that already? If you're listening or if you're enjoying listening, uh, let us know or better yet, give us a review. Uh, if you want to do that and um, if you've any suggestions for subjects that you'd like to look us to look at for an episode drop us a mail or a DM or you thank can thank you to all our Patreons our yeah. Patreons coming in um, we are at this weird like weird thing where like we, we just can't anyway I'll talk about that some other time I'm not going to <laughs> weird flex Andrea thank you to all our <laughs> and uh, yeah it's very helpful at this time yeah we are so appreciative of everybody who supports this podcast and everybody who gets in touch with us and you know throws us a little message on Twitter um, or Andrea Mans the Instagram and gets messages and things like that. And it's just really, really, really brilliant. It makes us feel that people are listening, which they are, even though we can see the figures, which are oh. always good. I, we- I, tell you, I think I, I was doing a, a Q&A for Cork's uh, Film Festival, which is next week, um, and the 8th is in it. And uh, I was... I, was there, one of the questions was like, what are you doing at the moment? So I was like, oh, the podcast. And uh, Roisin is the presenter. like, oh my God, I'm a Patreon and I love it. And I just want to say how much I love it. And it's when you get those little things when you're in the middle of your day-to-day life. It's so nice to get that. So Brilliant. shout out to Roisin for being a lovely interviewer. And shout out to everyone on on Patreon who supports us. Um, like, I know we we're always saying like, we really appreciate all these about No, we really, really do. And you're keeping the show on the road. You know, you're keeping this podcast going um and we'd love if you if you haven't already supported us and if you can't afford to we'd love if you could do that we totally understand if you're smashed or if you just have too many subscriptions or whatever um but maybe just mention the podcast to a friend or something like that that would be really great our tuna chicken roll this week andrea um i don't have one yet oh i do this this is this is a really um diversion for me I suppose you could say it's not as boppy and it's not as um like upbeat maybe shall we say but it's uh 
it's a it's a techno song and it's glutes uh by patrice Bamel and it reminds me of the good good set which i really miss and uh yeah i think there's not enough techno in our podcast <laughs> <laughs> definitely not actually i've been una i've been andrea this has been united ireland and that was things are looking up aren't they yeah